And so from an early age, I, I remember going with my dad. It was school of hard knocks and he'd pick, take me to the rental properties for the day and put me to work painting and doing all sorts of stuff with him. So I, I, from an early age, I, I was exposed to to investing in real estate and um, you know working on the properties with them there. I think I, I, we didn't really have specific conversations. I mean, I, I, I think we both had similar backgrounds and, and similar interests and you know, we got together, it, it was more, um, it was more natural than that. It, it was just the natural progression of how things kind of moved along for us. Um, like, like Chloe mentioned, um, we, we do have a, a very nice balance between, uh, you know, risk on and, and risk aversion. So it, it's kind of, um, yeah, it, it just, it works out really well for us. Now it's just kind of second nature to just manage our funds really good without needing to keep track of exactly where things are going. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 265. Big news this week, the IRS announced the changes for 401k, 457, 403b increases. In fact, this is probably one of the largest increases ever, especially on a percentage basis, going from 20,500 up to 22,500 for 401ks, 403bs, and most 457 plans. So just under a 10%, 9.8% increase on those. Obviously, it's a, to keep up with inflation to some degree, but you know, also uh, IRS looks at these annually. There's also a jump in the IRA contribution limits going to 6,500 up from 6,000, so about an 8.3% increase. Catch-up contribution limits are going to stay at $1,000. However, there are some other things in the works possibly related to catch-up. There's a, a bill out there, maybe even a couple bills. I haven't looked at it in quite a, quite a while, but they're looking at potentially increasing those catch-up limits uh, for, for those uh, potentially to be upwards of like $10,000 for people 50 and up. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, definitely becoming one of those things in this country where it's getting a little bit more difficult, it seems, for a lot out there to save for retirement or at least catch up to saving for retirement. I think the gig economy and some other things have, have played some factors in that as well as you know, a lot of companies used to have pension plans and those are those are a bit of thing of the past uh, for most companies nowadays. So it will be interesting to see if any of that changes here in the next little bit. Something to keep an eye on, but big news this week, uh, you know, for the IRS uh, making those announcements affects most of us, or should I guess, or could, uh, depending on on what your personal finance strategy is. But uh, at any rate, big news here uh, going into uh, the end of October. So this week we've got Ty and Chloe of a net worth of two around two point five million dollars, majority in crypto and real estate. We haven't had somebody on with this much in crypto, and it's interesting to talk to him a little bit. He's been in it for quite some time here and wrote it up and obviously been all over the place over the last, you know, I guess year here now. So interesting conversation. Still has pretty significant amount of money uh, or wealth tied up in crypto, but it's fallen some since uh, where it was, you know, previously. 
we get into discussion with him and Chloe really about their risk tolerance and how this all came about, uh, especially in the crypto markets and where he thinks crypto is headed at just as in general as an asset class. So great conversation today with Ty and Chloe. They're in their early 30s. Last week we had Tyson. He was 51, had a net worth of $3 million, worked in oil and gas. Paid for a house around $150,000 and then hundred just or just under $500,000 in company stock. And then the rest was in the market in various retirement, retirement accounts and, and other investments. So without any further delay, let's get into the interview with Ty and Chloe. Ty and Chloe, do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and what you're up to now? Sure. Hi there, guys. Um, Chloe and Ty and I are currently, we're engaged right now to be married. We both... Um you know, we're, we're invested in real estate, we're invested in cryptocurrency. You know, we, we actually, we both started at a pretty young age where, uh, you know, I, I bought my first house and I, I was probably 20 years old, I think. How old were you when you bought your first house? I was 26 when I bought my first house. Yeah, so we, we both started pretty young with real estate. And uh, yeah, and, and, you know, ever since then, we, we ever since we met, we've kind of been, um, you know, interesting, interested in growing our net worth and, uh, you know, dabbling in, in some different types of investments. So yeah cool and, and, and you shared you're engaged to be married so when's the wedding date to be mm. determined tbd <laughs> okay cool cool uh, my big thing is is i don't want to spend a lot of money on a big fancy wedding yeah. so it, it'll it probably does no no, we're <laughs> no. <both laughs> cool how long have y'all been engaged uh since december so uh 10 months now okay cool so uh, let's rewind you. you. You mentioned you started at a young age, and t- Ty, just I mean, for you, would you mind just kind of giving you know giving us a little bit of background? Of what has taken place in your life, you know, high school to now, as it relates to schooling and career? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I kind of took more of a non-traditional path in that uh, I went to a vocational high school. I kind of knew from a, a young age that I, I really. I, I wasn't really interested in, in going to college. Um, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to get out of school and, and just, you know, immediately start making money. I mean, for when I was that young, I was, I was more my, how should I put this? I, I was more concerned about making, uh, uh, getting into a career at, as opposed to, you know, spending years in, in college, for example, and racking up student debt, that type of thing. But uh, yeah, so I, I went to a vocational high school for um, HVAC and, uh, I, I got out and, you know, like I said, I, I was less interested in college at that point, more interested in, in just making some money. So I found uh, I, I got into uh, building automation where uh, <laughs> I, uh, why don't I uh, back that up a little bit? No, that's fine. So let, let me ask this. So you go to this vocational high school for HVAC. Did you have the skills to go into that right away at 18? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I kind of I found an entry level position in, in building automation. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I actually I, I started with um, the large building automation company. I, I, I believe I was uh, a few months short of, of 19 years old. And I kind of uh, it was an entry level position. And I essentially got in uh, at the bottom of a, a very tall ladder. So when I started, my my original idea is that I, I would continue with that company and just, you know, do my best to, to climb the, the corporate ladder. And, uh, you know, at, at some point in that, I, I kind of realized that. I was getting burnt out doing so, so I, I was looking for alternative means of um, making money. So that led me into some other avenues. How much were you making when you first started right out of high school? Uh, I was I, I started at uh, fourteen dollars and twenty six cents an hour. 
Okay, so right out of high school, had some skills, started making 14 bucks. How long did you stay in that building automation for? It was about 13 years. Oh, wow. So you stayed in it for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. I I started as a technician. You know, I I did that for a few years, got sick of that. I'm like, you know, I want to do the next bigger and better thing. So I kind of took on more of a project management role, did that for a while. There was a great deal of stress in that. So um, at that point, I felt like I was more interested in engineering. So I transitioned into that and then from there sales. So I think um, when, when I left building automation, I was I was making somewhere in the ballpark of 130,000 a year. Wow, so I mean, that's just crazy, right? Like we, in this country, we have such a push on higher education, but here you are, went to a vocational high school, graduated with some skills to be in the building automation, HVAC, go into that world, spend several years in there, and a decade later, you're making $130,000, which, you know, a lot of MBAs aren't even making that when they graduate with an MBA after they've got an undergrad degree and you had no student loan debt, correct? That's right. Interesting. So, Chloe, let's switch over to you. What did things look like for you as you graduated high school and what were those first few years after high school look like for you? Sure. So, Back when I was in high school, I remember going to look at a couple of colleges with my parents. And, it, you know, from a very early age, it was clear to me that my parents were, they made it clear, college is on you. <laughs> you have to pay that bill. And, you know, I was looking at these $40,000 a year schools and I was like, wow, I, I cannot afford this. So after high school, I decided to go to a local community college and I was able to pay that as I went. Um, while I was doing that, I was also I started working part time in banking and then moved into full time. And um, from there, that they actually started to help me pay for certain business classes. I, I was getting a, an associates in business and uh, technology. And so from there, I moved on to a four year school, and they helped pay part of the class. You know, as long as it was a business related class, they would help pay for part of it up to. I believe it was $4,000 a semester. So from there, I almost got my college degree, my four-year degree, but things got a little crazy at the end and I just didn't finish. I had a great GPA, just never finished and had left banking and gone into insurance at that point and was able to keep climbing up in the insurance world and didn't really feel like it was necessary to finish that degree. I wasn't enjoying some of my last classes, so I just kind of stopped. And what do you do for work now? So I I left corporate America, and I became a real estate agent, right as the pandemic hit, which was really interesting. Oh, shoot. So yeah, but it's it's been a crazy market since I've uh, joined the real estate world. Okay, and Ty, what do you do for work now? Uh, Primarily, I I just invest in cryptocurrency, and uh, we have some rental properties, so I maintain those. We uh, kind of as an experiment, we, we took on a, a single family flip. So we're in the process of selling that now. So, yeah, crypto and real estate. OK, awesome. We'll get into that. But let's just back up here from the beginning. Let's let's talk net worth just so people know where you're at. You guys are young 30s. And what's your current net worth? It's about two point five million. Two point five. And how is it invested? So the, the majority of it is in crypto. But um, we so it's about one point four five million in crypto. Maybe seven hundred and seven hundred and sixty-one thousand of that is in real estate equity. Yeah, so seven hundred sixty-one thousand in real estate equity, about twenty thousand cash. I try not to keep a lot of cash on hand. So we have in our 
401ks combined, it's about 274000 Um That does include a, a Roth IRA that, that I have that um, that's it's small. I was just putting a little bit in there. That's probably about fifteen thousand. And then we have an HSA that uh, it has about eleven thousand four hundred dollars in it. Okay, so so you're kind of small. I say small, but let's just call it fifteen thousand. Your HSA fifteen thousand in Roth, fifteen thousand in cash. Primarily, you got one point four ish in crypto, seven fifty in in real estate. Does that include real estate? Your primary residence, or is that separate? Yes, that does. And our our primary residence is the three families. So you know, it's also a um, investment for us. Gotcha. Yeah. So you're, I mean, you're living in one and renting out the other two. Yeah, exactly. And right, right now it's it's kind of a wash, but eventually we'll move out and this place will it'll cash flow for us. Awesome. All right. Well, I mean, the big piece here, obviously, we mentioned before the show, 1.4 million in crypto. So about, I guess, more than ha- about, yeah, 60% or so of your net worth, 65% maybe. Um, Jace, I think that's the biggest we've had in crypto. But how did that come to be? When did the crypto story start? Hmm. Well, a, a friend of mine told me about crypto in 2017, and uh, at first I was like, "Oh, what, you know, what the heck is this?" I thought it thought it might have been a scam, or it, you know, I I had almost no idea what it was. But I uh, I, I downloaded um, an app called Coinbase, and I invested forty dollars. I bought one Ethereum at the time. Yeah, it, it went up to about maybe forty five dollars, and uh, and I sold it. I'm like, wow, this is great. I invested forty dollars. It turned into forty five dollars. I made five dollars. <laughs> this is a real thing, and you know the the money actually, I, I was able to withdraw that into my checking account, and I saw it there. I'm like, okay, so th- this is real. I can put money in, and then you know gain, and then withdraw it, and uh, you know from there I, I started investing, investing more money. I, I I think I probably invested maybe a total of five to ten thousand dollars in early 2017. A lot of that kind of funneled its way into scams <laughs> and, uh, you know, other things. But but my, my primary investment was in Ethereum and Bitcoin and uh, it, it performed very well. So, I mean, the, you know, the, the appreciation of, of Ethereum greatly outweighed what I had lost in scams. Yeah, I, I think by the end of 2017, um, my, my crypto portfolio is worth maybe $40,000. And, uh, you know, all, all throughout that year, I, I, I spent a lot of time just, you know, learning about market cycles and technical analysis and, you know, all sorts of investments. I was just, um, you know, very intrigued in, in the entire space. I just wanted to learn as much as possible about crypto that I could. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that the, the market was reaching a, a peak. I think Ethereum was somewhere somewhere around $1,000. And um, I, I sold the majority of my position then and actually, um, you know, traded the uh, traded the, the crash thereafter and, you know, was able to, um, you know, significantly increase the, the the amount of ethereum holdings that that i had so this is all why you were working right Still. yeah yeah exactly i was kind of just doing it on the side just trying to you know i identified it as a, a way that i could potentially make some money on the side and and it seemed to be working out um but the, the more i learned the more i thought that cryptocurrency had a place in our future so i you know I, I was actively trading crypto but my ultimate goal was just to amass as much as possible so so when yeah. did the balances get big? The, the the balances got big after after I spent a couple years accumulating the crash. So from maybe 2018 to 2020, I I, I did a lot of buying, and that's where, you know, I I think throughout that time I had a couple different different uh, positions in, in building automation. I, I believe I was an engineer, and my salary was somewhere around 100,000 a year, 
then later I transitioned into sales and, and that got a little boost, but it was fantastic because I was able to invest a, a you know, a large amount into cryptocurrency while the prices were low. So pretty so much this is this is 2018 ish now. Yeah, like 2018 to like early 2020. And then, um, you know, crypto really took off uh, right after the the, the uh, COVID crash. So, uh, so so what's your basis in that? My basis is very low. At, at this point, I you know, I, I probably have maybe $20,000 invested. You invested 20000 and it's at 1.4? Yeah. Wow. And and is the play long term? I guess, obviously, you haven't sold it. <laughs> it, it it's kind of a, a midterm play. I mean, I, I, I think crypto is kind of in the middle or may, maybe the first third of, of another bubble. We're, we're kind of seeing that play out right now. So I kind of have a similar plan for, for this go around where... You know, I've, I've amassed a, a decent size holding and uh, I, I plan on holding that throughout this market cycle and, you know, trying to trying to sell somewhere close to the peak. It's hard to time it perfect. but So what's, what's your take on it, Ty? You think it's going to replace the dollar or where do you kind of stand in, in that range of, of what people think crypto could or couldn't be in the future? Well, I, I think the the dollar, the dollar's suffered for many years i mean since since losing the gold standard and i, I can't recall the, the year but somewhere around the 50s um you know the dollar's consistently lost value year over year it's kind of designed to to do that you know if, if you have a, a a finite an asset with a finite supply like like bitcoin for example ideally as long as as um, demand continues to increase for it um we should see you know prices to continue to appreciate so i you know i Will it replace the dollar? Probably not, but I I think it it could be it could hold a place for a lot of people as a store value similar to gold. Yeah, Chloe, what do you think about all this? You're like he's crazy, or are you right on board with him? Uh, in the beginning, I thought he's totally crazy. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, so back to backtrack a little bit. He he moved into my house. Um, just because he was able to work remote. And so there is a point in time. Uh, I, I, thought, I thought you were going to say because he didn't have any money because he was investing well, it all in crypto. Well, so yeah. so that is a, a he he was. It, <laughs> we, we rented out his house and, you know, I was paying the bills and he was really putting a lot of money into crypto at that point. Um, the other thing he was doing was uh, him and some buddies started building miners and they were mining cryptocurrencies. So there was a point when uh, miners were heating my house in the winter. You know, if it got cold, we'd turn the miner on in our bedroom before we went to bed that night. So, um, hmm. but I can tell you, my electric bill was insane. Yeah, imagine how that. much? Most people, most people are paying for heat in the winter, and and in our case, the heat was paying us. I, I think it was like four to five hundred dollars. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, her, her electric bill was in in the four to five hundred dollar territory. We, we had um, I, I had two partners in the the mining rig operation. We we had a, a I guess a moderate sized farm, and our electric bill there was somewhere in the ballpark of like twelve hundred to fourteen hundred dollars a month. So let me go back to your um, <clears throat> your work in, in college history or lack of college history. Ty, did your parents support this, or they think you're crazy to not go to college? Neither, neither of my parents actually went to college, so um, you know it wasn't something I ever felt like I had to do. I mean, I from a young age, I, both of my parents are, are pretty successful, so I, I kind of and, and they're both um, you know they have working class jobs. Uh, my my mom's in, 
uh, janitorial services and my, my dad's a, an auto body technician. So, I mean, you know, I, I saw the both of them make decent careers out of out of a trade so i, I kind of that that's just how i grew up i i grew up with the ideology that I, I didn't need a degree to be successful in life and and what about your background in personal saving personal finance and investing and saving did your parents teach you about that if you learned it on your own yeah uh, good good point so my my, my mother and, and stepfather actually they um they, they each had rental properties. So when they first met, they, they each had duplexes and they actually had a, a terrible experience with it. And <laughs> even up, up until recently, my, my mom has greatly discouraged me into purchasing rental property just because of the nightmares she went through. But um, I mean, I, so far it, it's been fantastic for us. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll have a rainy day, but it's yet to happen. And, and Chloe, same question to you. What was your background like? Um, yeah, so my my parents both, well, neither of them went to college, and um, they they were both working class. But they also they had invested in real estate, and so from an early age, I, I remember going with my dad. It was school of hard knocks, and he'd pay, take me to the rental properties for the day and put me to work painting and doing all sorts of stuff with him. So I, I from an early age, I I was exposed to to investing in real estate and. Um, you know, working on the properties with them there. What do you all do for health insurance? <laughs> we pay out of pocket right now. To really? be determined. Yeah, yeah. We, we actually have to get something better, better down. Uninsured. I actually not a big fan of the insurance industry. So I, I'm kind of at this point just rebelling against the entire thing and choosing not to have health insurance. But I'm also, we're all, we also take very good care of ourselves. So, I mean, you know, we're I'm 32. She's 33. We're we're both very healthy, and uh, yeah, right, right now I I don't feel the need to have health insurance for myself. I I think she'll probably need health insurance pretty soon though. Okay. So at 2.5 plus, give or take, young 30s, where do you go from here? What what does the future hold in terms of building your net worth and accumulating, you know, some more assets and more crypto? And you know, is there a number out there? Yeah, I mean the the goal for at least this crypto market cycle is I'd, I'd really love my crypto portfolio to exceed five million. I, I think it could greatly exceed that. I mean I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know based on my current holdings if if my portfolio reached even you know eight to, to ten million uh, within the next six months to a year. Um, but my my goal is a conservative five. Um, what what I'd like to do is. Um, you know, exit a significant portion of, of my crypto holdings and kind of diversify more into some long-term stuff, maybe uh, um, one or two more rental properties. Um, I'd love to pick up a, another three or four family rental property. Um, I know Chloe is very interested in, in maybe purchasing a business of some sort. We've been talking about possibly a laundromat, something to that effect, just to diversify a little more. Yeah, it's something we, we talk about all the time is kind of what the next step is. We haven't quite figured it out, but we're constantly having open dialogue about, you know, where we're going to go. And once we exit crypto, how we're going to allocate those funds to best serve us in the future. Ty, let me ask with the, with the crypto, is that something that, that you kind of dollar cost average as you exit and enter, or is it all at once? I think this is the bottom or what's your approach there? Uh, Good question. I actually, I, I take more of a, a dynamic uh, dollar cost averaging approach where if the market, so I, there, there's a handful of assets that I'm, I'm very interested in. You may know there, there's 
somewhere in excess of 10,000 cryptocurrencies. And my portfolio consists of maybe five or six of those. So what, what I do with uh, across those five or six cryptocurrencies is, uh, you know, if one is particularly uh, underperforming in comparison to the rest, I, I might average or I, I might invest more into that that tip and it I might invest more into that cryptocurrency in comparison to the others so it's kind of more of a, a dynamic approach than um, a typical dollar cost average where someone might just say okay weekly I'm gonna spread X amount of dollars across whatever cryptos they're interested in which platforms do you typically use to invest in the five or six uh, generally it's it's coinbase but um there, there's some some DeFi protocols that uh or I should say decentralized exchanges that allow you to um, swap on chain. So I've, I've been doing a little bit of that lately. Um, it gets kind of expensive. So if you're not transacting in, in large amounts, it's kind of um, the, the fees will eat you alive, essentially. Yeah. What are your What are your favorite two or three holdings that you have? Uh, my So my crypto portfolio, uh, 40, 46% of that consists of Ethereum. So that's probably my top holding. Next would be uh, 18% of that is cell token. Um, that's the Celsius network native token. Uh, 13% of that is Bitcoin, and the the remainder the, the remaining 23% is spread across uh, low cap altcoins and stablecoin. Dude, where's your where's your Doge? <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm really not interested in in Doge not at this point in the game. I actually bought Doge at. Uh, rock bottom prices um I, I was looking at it and it, doge is actually a pretty old cryptocurrency so if you if you zoom out and look at the entire history of doge you can kind of you can kind of with relative uh, certainty uh you can predict where where it's going to trade um and, and it's pretty reliably traded in a a fixed range so i i identified that doge was at the bottom of that range and i said okay if if I'm going to invest in Doge, it's going to be now. And I actually, actually put maybe three or five thousand dollars in into a, a Doge investment at rock bottom prices. And I, I think I maybe tripled my money and exited. I'm just I'm not really interested in hanging on to purely speculative investments long term. So I was, you know, plenty happy with a, a three times return. So. What does it look like on a day-to-day for somebody? I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd call you a professional crypto trader at this point. If you disagree with me, we can call it something else. But what does it look like in terms of your active involvement and how much time do you spend with crypto on a daily basis? I actually don't spend a whole lot of time with, with crypto on a daily basis. Um, I, I, I'm more of a, a long-term, uh, I guess you could call me a swing trader. You know, like I said, I, I have a very low cost basis that I've, I've managed to accumulate throughout um, 2018 and 2020. So really, the, you know, the, the market can fluctuate 10 or 20 or even 50 percent. And I'm not going to lose sleep over it, really. So, Ty, let me push you. Jace asked about the health insurance. If, if so, you had some crazy accident, you could lose all this without health insurance. Yeah, I could. It's a risk. That doesn't- that doesn't that doesn't worry you for whatever ten grand a year or something. Right now it doesn't. I mean, I, I think the other thing to note too is is it, Ty just recently exited the corporate world this year, so he just left his health insurance, and I just kind of recently left mine last year. So it's something that we we do. At least I acknowledge we we have to address because I do think it is important to have that health insurance. 
No, yeah. I mean, teach there's on. I'm just thinking you get in some car accident, right? He he's a big risk taker. So yeah. And and Chloe, before you met Ty, what was your risk appetite, and has it changed? Uh, very conservative, uh, and 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 that's the the thing with our relationship. Why we balance each other out so well is I'm kind of the con- more conservative one, and he's the big risk taker. And so you know we kind of balance each other out in that aspect. Before before I met Ty, I was I was. On the slow path to maybe becoming a millionaire when I was retiring, but uh, we got together and then things just really accelerated because we kind of helped propel each other forward in the perfect balance. And, and did you? How were those conversations early, Ty? You're like, hey, we got to take more risk, and and she's like, hey, no, I don't want. I'm not. I'm risk averse. Yeah, that's a good question. I think I, I, we we didn't really have specific conversations. I mean, I I, I think we both had similar backgrounds and, and similar interests and you know we got together it, it was more um it was more natural than that it, it was just the natural progression of how things kind of moved along for us um like like chloe mentioned um we we do have a, a, a very nice balance between uh you know risk on and, and risk aversion so it, it's kind of um yeah it, it just it works out really well for us yeah. So, Chloe, you've upped your appetite for risk or at least become a little bit less conservative because now you're, you're working in real estate and you want you start you're thinking about buying your own business. I mean, is that something you would have considered years ago? Yeah, I you know, I've always had the entrepreneurial mindset. Um, I, I remember even as a kid, I used to I was hustling and dog sitting and babysitting and running my little businesses on the side. So I've always had that, that mindset. I, I never felt like I belonged in corporate America. I, really got burnt out from it and just never was happy. So as an agent, you know, I'm, I work for myself. I'm much happier that way. But I think w- with Ty, I, you know, I could recognize that he just had to do his thing. And, and I know he's an intelligent person. So I was kind of letting him, you know, when crypto first started, he started investing in it. I just kind of let him do his thing. And, and I joked with him and I used to say, when when crypto hits, when your portfolio hits eighty thousand, you have to take me on a vacation, and um, I'm still waiting for that vacation. Oh, Ty, come on, man. Uh, she, uh, we, we, we've gone she, on some adventures. We just haven't gone on a big, <laughs> big one yet. <laughs> yeah, she, she's also hesitant to have me sell any any of my crypto because she wants it to yeah wants it, it to grow. At this point, I'm like, no, you gotta you gotta keep holding it. It, uh-huh. it needs to keep growing. So she wants it to go to the moon. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the the real estate we touched on it briefly, but about seven fifty in real estate equity. It, the majority of that is in that is in your primary, the three unit when you live in. No, actually. Um. So in, in our primary, we have about a hundred and sixteen in equity. We we have a single family that that Ty uh, essentially flipped. We we didn't know what we were going to do with it when we first bought it, and we ended up flipping it just because the market went where it went. Um, and, and then we have another three family that uh, we own that 100%. So we have about 325000 in equity in that. I, I should mention that that I uh, took the opportunity to, to diversify out of crypto when a, a particular asset performed um, exceptionally well. And I, uh, I, I use those funds to buy the, that three family. Right now, we don't okay. have a on that. And, yeah, and flow very nicely here in the near future. And and then we do have one less uh, pro- property that used to be his original primary residence when we first met, um, and we have about one hundred and fifty three thousand in equity in that property. Okay, so you have mortgages on these real estate properties still? 
except for the three family that we we purchased with crypto funds. And and you mentioned Ty that they should cash flow shortly. Um, are any of them cash flowing now, or do you have them on a, a thirty year or fifteen? Yeah, so three of the properties are on a thirty year loan, and the the three family that that doesn't have a loan. I mean that only one of the three units is rented at this time. Um, we are actively trying to to uh, rent one of the units and an, another on performing some renovations on right now. So that that should be that should be rented here in the spring. So we, we should be fully rented by uh, call it March of next year. No, that should cash flow somewhere in the ballpark of maybe thirty five hundred dollars a month. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, you'd be at forty two grand a year in passive income from that. Yeah, um, the, our primary residence, the, the three family we live in right now, um, it, it, that one's probably uh, neutral. Yeah, our, our tenants pay the mortgage on on our three family, so that we live in. So I mean, it's it's great. It's essentially a wash, like like Ty was saying. So you know, it's it's great when you can allocate those funds to somewhere else when you're you're not paying a primary, right? You know, m- mortgage. So you guys mentioned you both bought homes what, around age 26. Uh, Chloe, how we'll start with you. How were you able to do that so early on? Yeah, I mean, when I was 19, I was talking about it. I, I would tell people I was going to buy a house. And so I just I saved my money and I, I actually found a property that was not on the market. Um, it, it was a complete fixer upper. It, it was a original owner had passed away and I was able to purchase it. And I, I got in there and and had no idea what I was doing and was living there for a while and, and, and had done some renovations. And then when I met Ty, he's super handy. And uh, that just kind of exploded where we ended up completely renovating that and, and selling it. You know, it walked away with a, a nice nice income from that property there yeah we we actually we actually took a lot of the proceeds from from selling your first house and invested that in the, the three family we live in now so right yeah, that, that worked out pretty nice yeah and and ty you bought yours when you were 20 yeah it was probably 20 i want to say that was in uh maybe 2010 i knew that the the housing market had kind of took a big hit and um, when it was like you know 2008 2009 time frame and, and the, the, you know the market was still pretty favorable for for buyers in uh, in 2010 so I, you know at, at, at that time I, I was probably making 50 or sixty thousand dollars a year so I, I was able to, to save up a little bit of cash and uh, enough to at the very least look look for a, a starter home or a fixer up fixer upper type home so yeah so what's your guys's annual household income now if you if you take out the investment growth? Well, it's it's a tough question for us to answer um, because, so I can give you the number when we both were still in corporate America, which what um, when we both were in corporate America, that the, the highest I, I was making was 75,000 annually. And then Ty, you were at- uh, About 130. 130, yeah. And then this year, I'm on track to make a little less, actually, in real estate. Um, it's it's going to be my first full year, so I'm expected to make about sixty-five thousand this year. And Ty, you know, he he renovated the property that we're selling, so we're you know we're going to get yeah. On, on the flip, we should we should walk away with about fifty thousand dollars. Right. So it's it's really hard to give you a set number. No, so. no, that's good. That kind of yeah. gives us an idea. And what about spending? How much do you spend annually? 
Well, we, before I before I answer that question, I, I also make somewhere in the ballpark of fifty thousand dollars a year in in um, interest income, and that's that's interest earned on on crypto holdings. Okay. Yeah. And and to answer annual household spending, that's also a really tough question for us to answer. Um, because we essentially take all of our money and what we've been doing is um, just reinvesting it, whether it's crypto, real estate. I think I mentioned Ty's really handy. So, you know, we redid a kitchen in, in the unit that we're living in. We redid the bathroom. Basically, all our money is spent at Home Depot and Lowe's. So mm. it, it's not, you know, it, so it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what our spending is because a lot of it is just being reinvested into real estate right now right you got mortgage food travel that kind of stuff right but i yeah ty didn't take you on a trip so not much travel. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and we don't really keep track of it we just i i think i'm the one that mostly pays all the bills and just from a young age i've always been really good with money um i think i, I, I remember being in my early 20s and i would take envelopes and you know separate my my money for food, grocery, you know, groceries and rent or whatever I had to pay school. Um, and, and so now it's just kind of second nature to just manage our funds really good without needing to keep track of exactly where things are going. Yeah. So, all right, let's wrap up here with a couple of questions and then we'll do rapid fire. But uh, just as we wind down here, as you guys look back, I mean, obviously young 30, so you're just beginning your journey but you're already at two and a half million dollar net worth. I think I know Ty's answer to this, but what would you say if you could pinpoint a few things that helped you become a millionaire, what would they be? Ty, I assume you would say risk, taking good risks. Yeah, calculated risk, definitely. Okay, Chloe, what about you? You know, I I don't think I would be where I am without Ty. So, um, you know, those calculated risks are definitely a a smart move. I, I think if I had just been doing this on my own, I would have continued to invest in real estate and slowly gotten to, to millionaire status. Yeah. To Ty, elaborate on your risk, because in, in the in the form that you wrote in to us before, you said, be prepared to lose everything again in your pursuit of wealth creation. The worst thing that can happen is total loss, whereas the upside potential is astronomical. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a great point. Um, when your net worth is exceptionally low, I mean, there, there's... When, when there's not a lot to lose and there's so much to gain, to me it doesn't make sense to not not attempt, you know, to, to not risk everything in in pursuit of of growing your wealth. You know, so I I kind of at some point in time, um, probably in my mid 20s, my mindset changed where I was just okay with potentially losing everything at, at least until I was maybe 40 or 45 years old uh, in an attempt to succeed at at you know growing measurable wealth. So. That's kind of um, that's my my investment philosophy at this point in life. And I think it's important to note we don't have any children, so I think uh, if you know children are involved, that would be a different absolutely different risk tolerance for sure. Sure, and you both have good backgrounds where you can just go out and get a job, right? If real, yeah. if you really needed to. It, it, absolutely, and and that was a big scary thing for me when I was leaving corporate America. I, I was scared of making the jump and you know, Ty kept pushing me to just do it. And, and, and now I'm in the mindset of, you're right. You know, if, if we financially got into a hard spot right now, both of us have backgrounds in corporate America where we could easily jump right back in and, and get a decent paying job right away. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, let's wrap up here with some rapid fire question. Then we'll get into some final words of advice. 
So what's the most of, most expensive vacation you guys have ever taken? We, we don't really take expensive vacations. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, one thing we, we enjoy doing is um, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, I, I, everyone's aware of those timeshare deals where they, they sell you on like a, a four day getaway or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, we absolutely enjoy um, exploiting those deals. <laughs> we'll, we'll go away to, to, you know, Las Vegas or uh, Orlando or something like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's essentially at no cost. We pay for the flights and, and the food and, you know, that basically listen to, listen to the sales pitch. Yeah, we listen to the sales pitch and uh, the, the hotel carries the, the tab. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've always traveled smart. We, we haven't uh, traveled internationally together. So it's something I'm looking forward to doing. But um, it, it, I mean, we we both used to travel for corporate America and both racked up a decent amount of hotel points in that and car rental points. So we've been able to kind of ride that way for a while. Yeah, I, I, I think those days are. Yeah, those, those days <laughs> are, are over now. End, yeah. OK, what, what about the most expensive car you've ever purchased? All right, so the, the most expensive car I've ever purchased was a, a new it was a 2014 Toyota Prius C, and that was probably around twenty thousand dollars. And then we purchased um, a Rav4 Prime, a twenty twenty one Rav4 Prime, and that cost. That was probably around fifty thousand, maybe fifty two thousand. Fifty two thousand. Um, but it, that was actually a, a mechanism to reduce our tax burden in twenty twenty. Um, there, there's a nice tax credit on that. I, I believe it was seventy five hundred dollars. And uh, we're actually using that to depreciate um, against her, against Chloe. Chloe's business. Yeah. All right. How old were you guys when you became millionaires? Uh, 31. Yeah, I was I was 31 and she's 32. 32. Yeah. yeah. OK. So, and do your friends, family know that you're worth two and a half million dollars? I don't mm-hmm. think so. I, no, I don't I, really I, think I, anyone knows. I, so Ty talks a lot about cryptocurrency. So I think some people know that we've done well. But nobody knows exactly how well. Yeah, it's not <laughs> All right. Well, maybe they'll hear this. Sorry. Huh. <laughs> All right. Any uh, books or websites or tools, anything that's kind of been influential to your success that you would recommend? Yeah. Um, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, was was kind of eye-opening for me, at least in defining the difference between uh, assets and liabilities. So I, I recommend that to people all the time. Anything for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a really big fan of your your podcast I listen to religiously every week. I always encourage people to listen to you guys. I don't know if anybody does. Um, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I, I listen to uh, Bigger Pockets real estate podcast too, and the, the money, you know, some of the Bigger Pockets podcasts. I think those are really helpful to learn about, you know, some investment strategies for us. Yeah. So as the net worth grows, does being fulfilled and happiness grow with it? Or have you kind of hit a point where money doesn't mean as much anymore? You know, I I think we're kind of new into this whole millionaire status, so it hasn't really affected. Yeah, Yeah, it hasn't set in. We haven't really. I I mean, there's been a, a, I would say, a very minimal lifestyle creep where we, you know, bought some new furniture and bought a new car. But other than that, we haven't really changed how we live. So it, it for. For me, um, I, the, the the major change is um, I, I'm, I'm definitely happier now that I'm not in the corporate nine to five grind. I, I, I like the the idea of kind of being in control of my own fi- you know financial destiny. 
so to speak. And uh, yeah, I mean, when I when I wake up every day, I'm you know I'm in control of, of what what I do. And you know what what I've been doing lately is is renovating our uh, one of our three families. And it to me, it just doesn't feel like work. I'll, I'll work the entire day. You know, I might start at, at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. and I might finish at at 9 p.m. And uh, it, it it doesn't feel like work. So that's you know, having that freedom and flexibility is, is fantastic. So, you know, to answer your question, that that's where, where this journey, um, where, where I've derived happiness from this, this journey. Cool. Good answer. Thanks for sharing. Okay. What about a number? Do you guys have a number, a net worth goal, a passive income goal? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's like a moving target really. I mean, you know, if you would have asked me that two years ago, I would have said a million dollars and we've exceeded that. You know, right now I, I have my site set on 5 million. 10 million would be fantastic, but you know, when we get there, which I'm sure we will, I'm sure that the target will be much further out. So, yeah. All righty. Last question here, Chloe, let's start with you. If someone came to you and said, Hey, you know, you're, you're worth two and a half million dollars. You're in your young thirties. How did you do it? You know, what mistakes did you make or what's the best advice you can give? What would you say? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say don't rack up a bunch of student debt. Um, I think that's something that Ty and I both are thankful we we didn't do. Um, just start your career early if you can and, and just keep continuing to climb the ladder and, and save it and invest while you do that. Um, you know, I never spent a lot of money on anything crazy as in my young 20s. And so that's how I was able to purchase my first house and, and stuff. I I do wish that I bought some crypto when uh, Ty first got into it. I would definitely encourage people to, to take a look at it now, if you can, and learn and buy some crypto. Okay, Ty, what about you? Final words here. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Chloe in that um, I, I'm not of the mindset that, that anyone should, you know, start their career with with a big pile of debt um i I definitely think it's it's important to to start earning money early on in a career and and investing that money very heavily um to take advantage of compounding returns i mean the power of compounding you know is more advantageous when you have you know greater number of years on your side so if if you can start that early and that's actually one one of my regrets is that i I didn't invest heavily from from a very young age I, i think i started somewhere in my early to mid 20s which which is still young but uh, you know in retrospect i would have liked to invest a lot more but as soon as i started working yeah yeah awesome well ty chloe thanks again uh, for coming on thanks for sharing your story our, our biggest crypto investors today so fun to hear a different and, and new perspective so again everybody that's ty and chloe net worth of two and a half million about 1.4 ish right is in crypto so thank you again to both of you thanks guys have a good, great day yeah thanks thanks y'all us. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.